Here we are in the third week of the season of Lent. We are in March, and Easter is in March. <coughs> the last day, the very last day, and we're almost at the beginning, so it's still a ways off, but it's coming. And we're three weeks into this Lenten season, and we've been talking about less of the things that we need to not have in our lives and more of the things that we're longing to fill our lives with. Today we're talking about acceptance, less resentment, more contentment. Yesterday um, was a stay-at-home day for Rachel and Catherine, and they love stay-at-home days. Rachel was in her pajamas from morning till night, <laughs> and um, they're a gift because they're fairly rare. And the lovely thing is that when they have that extended time together, they usually figure out something to play, a game or an imaginary um, activity. And so I'm not sure all the rules of this activity, but there were pillows all over the floor of the sunroom, playroom that we have, pillows from upstairs, pillows from all the couches. And I came upon this because when Al and I were in the other room, we heard a lot of screaming, <laughs> which is usually what happens at a stay-at-home day as well, because if you have an extended time together, um, after a lot of fun, there's usually conflict. <laughs> and so um, when I came in the room, I saw um, Rachel and Catherine both saying very loudly, I'm not comfortable! <laughs> And they were both arching their bodies in different ways to push each other off the one pillow that they both needed to be on. <laughs> and so they were there, caught in this space, not able to see like the eight other pillows on the floor that were much more comfortable, but they both wanted, needed that one. So eventually, Alan was able to convince them that actually there was a better option and that they could be more content um, somewhere else. And so then they found two, two or three pillows that they could each lay out on and be perfectly at peace. But it seemed that they couldn't even see the possibility of something different. And they were just stuck in that place resenting each other and the fact that they were each taking away something that the other wanted and not able to see that actually there were ways of contentment that were right near them. And I do that too sometimes. I find myself resenting a situation in and I'm so upset that I'm stuck in the situation and I don't even realize that I don't have to even be where I am. I don't even have to be struggling with what I'm struggling with. And I know probably some of you do that, or have done that, once or twice. So resentment is a real thing, right? It's a real presence in our lives. It's a real attitude that we take on. And it's <coughs> something that I was, I've been, taking on in my life over the past year because I felt like it had a pretty big place in my life. I was resenting things that I was doing. I was resenting things that shouldn't 
be resented because actually they're gifts. But it's a, it's an attitude, and it's a change. And sometimes it means changing what we're doing, and sometimes it means changing how we're doing it. One of the parts of my life where I struggle with resentment is getting woken up every day at 5.20 a.m. <laughs> because I don't want to wake up before 6 a.m. in the morning. And part of why I don't want to wake up before 6 a.m. in the morning is because I go to bed pretty late. And um, that's my choice. But it's not really my choice to wake up before 6 a.m. because there's someone else who wakes me up. <laughs> and she's three. <laughs> and she comes into our room like this. Mommy! <laughs> Mommy! I need you! I need you! <laughs> and I say, Catherine, why don't you go potty? Let's go. Let's go ahead and go potty. No, no, no. I need you. I need you. I can't do it by myself. Okay. She can do it by herself anytime she wants to. She's very capable of doing everything on her own, except before 6 a.m. in the morning. Between 5 and 6, it's hard to get her to go back to sleep. And it's really hard to get her to do anything on her own, except if I get out of bed and I take her downstairs and I turn on the heat a blanket around her and I put on her favorite TV show and then I can have maybe 20 minutes more of sleep. <laughs> and so I resent this routine, but I keep doing it. <laughs> and I don't really look for a way out. But I realize that I really do treasure the fact that she's three and the fact that she needs me and the fact that when I look at her face and I see that it's not a toddler face anymore and that it's turning into a four-year-old I'm like I need to stay little I need to fit in my lap so I choose to be upset about this thing that I really love and this gift that I have. And I make choices so that it's difficult for me to do this thing that I really want to do. And so I trap myself in my attitude and in my behavior. I think we do this in our internal lives and we also do this externally. Eileen this week at um, Women's Listening Circle was telling us about her experience of reading this editorial in the paper that was resenting the snow. <laughs> snow that hadn't even come yet. <laughs> and the fact that it would keep coming. And Eileen, in response for her own editorial, <laughs> and explained... There's really no point in resenting what we have because we choose to live here. <laughs> and it's beautiful. And it's a gift. And Eileen doesn't drive in snow. So she you know, has her own relationship with snow, but she chooses to embrace it for the good and the beauty that it is. 
And it's a reality, right? There's really nothing we can change about it, right? There's no, we're not changing whether it's going to snow or not. We could move. <coughs> but if we choose to live here, there's nothing we can change about it. The only thing we can change is whether we resent it or whether we accept it. So all of this acceptance and contentment or discontentment reminds me of a story that Jesus tells. And it's a story that Jesus tells to people who are doing something, but in, rather than telling them what they're doing, he says, let me tell you a story. He's at a dinner, and there's people there who have elbowed their way and so he tells a story about a dinner and people who have elbowed their way up. Jesus went on, I'm reading from Luke chapter 14. He went on to tell a story to the guests around the table. Noticing how each had tried to elbow into the place of honor, he said, When someone invites you to a dinner, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. He'll come and call out in front of everybody, you are in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this man. Red-faced, you'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. When, when you are invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place. Then, when the host comes, he may very well say, friend, come up to the front. That will give the dinner guests something to talk about. What I'm saying is, if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. If you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. It's pretty good advice. We all want to be content. Content to be ourselves, and we want to be content with who we are, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, and not thinking of ourselves more lowly than we are. But to be content with who we are and the circumstances that surround us. Contentment. because we're open to it. So how do we become more content? I think it's about approach, and it's about attitude, and it's about centering. And I think um, a way that we kind of sum up the whole attitude is the serenity prayer 
which um, has been made famous by 12-step programs. And this, uh, the, 12, the serenity prayer is, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, wisdom to know. Sometimes I think we resent the things that we can change. We imagine that we can't possibly do stop doing something or end a pattern or even change or end a relationship. It's not even possible, right? We just have to keep resenting the thing that we actually can change. There are situations and pillows in our lives that we hold on to because they're really important and there can't be another one anywhere, right? But if we're open to see that we can change it, then we can stop resenting the fact that we're doing it because we don't have to do it anymore. And the only way we figure that out is by seeking In, um, I think Jesus speaks to this idea of letting go in Matthew chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. He's talking about sending out his disciples to different places to share about him and to share of themselves and to go and meet new people, people they've never met, and they go out to these places to share who they are and what they know about God. And this is what he says when you, when you get to the door. When you knock on the door, be courteous in your greeting. If they welcome you, be gentle in your conversation. If they don't welcome you, quietly withdraw. Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and be on your way. And in another version it reads, If anyone refuses to welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet and leave as you leave this house or city. What does it mean to shake the dust off your feet? We talk about having the dust of the rabbi on you, and when you have somebody else's dust, you're like carrying their stuff. And this is a time of where it was always dusty. So you always had dust on you. And so when Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet, you're leaving what you got in that place in that place. You're not carrying it with you to the next place. You're not hanging on to what happened back there. And you're not trying to make that something else other than what it was. You just shake the dust off your feet. You're courteous. You're kind. You are welcoming, and if it doesn't work out, you let it go. I think sometimes we forget that Jesus said that. Because sometimes we can change the things that give us resentment. So how do we accept the things we cannot change? acceptance 
look like? How can we find it? I think it's about taking time to reflect and plan how we're going to think and act differently. It's about seeking contentment rather than about seeking whatever else is going to come next. Like the pig. We're satisfied with what we have at the moment rather than looking for the next thing. Accepting what we do have rather than trying to get what we don't yet have. Jesus was talking with his disciples at the end of his time with them. And he was explaining to them, um, if they hadn't gotten it yet, who he was and what the time had meant and all the things he had taught them. And he really wants them to understand this deep connection that he has with God. Uthel's father. That's a deep connection. And so Jesus is explaining this to his disciples. And Jesus says, if you really knew, knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. So you'd think they'd be satisfied, right? So Philip, who represents like all of us, says, Master, show us the Father, and then we'll be content. We just need a little bit more. If you just give us God, really, then we'd be content. Like we think, if we could just live with Jesus for a day, then we'd be content, right? If only we had a little bit more of God, then we'd be content. And Jesus is saying, Philip, Philip, I just told you, if you know me, you know God. If you see me, if you understand what I've told you, then you get it. You don't need anything more. Like, what have I done? Like, I've been here giving myself to you all this time, and you're saying, I'm not content yet, I need more? But I think Jesus also understands that's how we are, right? have a hard time being content. And if we could just be satisfied with the life that we already have, then we could actually find contentment. So how do we live this practically? What does it look like to actually seek contentment? How do we remind ourselves that that's actually what we want? That we actually want contentment, that we actually want to accept where we're at, rather than wanting that thing that we don't get at. Maybe it's as simple as like writing post-it notes all over your house saying, remember? <laughs> remember? Be content. Be content. Be content. Or maybe it's a way of a word that you have in your mind that you just try to remember every moment of every day, whether it's contentment or acceptance or love or whatever word gets you to understand what you really want, which is peace. Or 
maybe it's a way of breathing that centers you, that fills you with God's spirit, that helps you to remember who you are and who you want to be. Maybe it's really centering yourself before you go into that situation that you know is going to make you resentful because it always has every other time you've done it. And so you center yourself and you pray and you meditate and you say, I am going to do this differently and this is how I'm going to do it. Because it takes work. one more word from scripture that I'm going to share with you today, and it's words from Paul. And he seems to have, at least in the moment when he writes this, achieved contentment. He writes, I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and of having more than enough. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every circumstance, whether full or hungry, whether having plenty or being poor. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me Contentment is a gift that comes from outside of us. It's a gift that God gives us because God gives us strength and power to endure things that we think we couldn't possibly endure. And to even endure them with a spirit of contentment rather than resentment. Thomas Watson is a Puritan from the 1600s. And he wrote The Art of Divine Contentment. And he says a lot of flowery things, but the things that I want to share with you that he said. He says, contentment is a divine thing. It becomes ours not by acquisition, but as a gift. Contentment is an internal thing. It lies within a man or woman, not in the bark, but in the root. Not in the bark, but in the root. So my prayer is that and I can hold all these truths as we seek after contentment and acceptance in our lives. This is my prayer. This is my prayer.
song that we're going to sing now may be new for some of you. It's the words of the Beatitudes from the Gospels, Jesus' words, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, um, set to music. So. <laughs> 